Hello, everyone, and welcome to Minute 33 of Season 3 of Movie Around Minute, the daily podcast, where we yippee our way through the 1988 Bruce Willis action flick, Die Hard, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me once again on this lovely Wednesday in the middle of August is Matthew Simpson from Awesome Friday. Welcome back. Thank you. Thank you for having me again. It's been a pleasure so far, and I'm sure we'll continue the rest yeah, of the week. Just, just make sure that you keep your C4... You know, properly stowed under your the seat in front of you, or 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 in the compartment above you. <laughs> I mean, I will do, but my and my I keep my seat back and tray table in their upright position as well, just for extra safety. Well, okay, that might help. It depends on, <laughs> depends on how many wires we have strung across. So yeah, I guess we'll it depends to... on my on my debt cord, doesn't it? Yeah, completely. All right, makes sense. So, uh, minute 33 begins with Carl finding a locked door and ends with Heinrich reporting on his location. So yesterday we ended the, the minute with, uh, with John making a little bit of noise and then Carl and Tony ran out to go try and find who's making the noise. And Carl opened one door really quickly, you know, uh, not in a very secure, proper way that one, one should do. And the second door apparently is locked. Now we get to immediately see that, that, that McLean is on the other side of the door hiding, you know, like around a little bit of a bend and stuff like that. So how do you think he locked that door? I have <laughs> that was, no that was I really assume, quick. <laughs> I assume it's like self-locking. That's my only logical explanation that, you know, it, it locks from the side he was on. Because he was in a different room, right? So he must No, have, but if uh, no, John was in that same room. John went out that door apparently. Yeah, then I have nothing. I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, maybe just off camera, maybe it has one of the latches that you like go up into the top of the door frame and he threw it up there. Um, but yeah, I didn't I didn't notice how he locked the door. Yeah. Now, I don't know. It doesn't. It doesn't make sense. I mean, at, what you're saying about the fact that maybe it was, you know, automatically locked—that—that's a great idea. Except for the fact that it's locked on the side that you know Carl has come through, mm-hmm. which makes it a little bit more difficult for for us to to believe it from that perspective. And and again, he ran out of the room, so he wasn't thinking fast enough to say, "Okay, I'm gonna twist the little you know lock on the door so that uh, you know no one can come out." Yeah, and I mean, John is clearly clearly quite perturbed by what's just happened. So thinking, and he's pretty, the rest of the movie, he's pretty good at his feet. So it might not make sense for him to stop and be like, I should lock this. <laughs> That's true. That's true. No, and there's yeah. also the perspective that, wait a second. Now, now, if you think about it, you know, you're going from the boardroom out into the hallway. So why would you lock the door that way? If you, if you would lock a, a door of a boardroom, you wouldn't want people to come in. Not a, not a question of trying to stop someone from going out. That's true. Yeah. Doesn't make know. a ton of sense. Yeah. Okay. Who cares? <laughs> yeah. And then Carl, you know, comes back into the room where Hans has been waiting for him and he goes, nothing. So Hans, you know, as he's always perfect about, you know, just it's very business, business-like says, See Heinrich, because yesterday he basically told Carl to go check on Heinrich to make sure that everything's okay. Yep. And then Hans turns towards Theo and says, now you can break the code. And then Theo, as as you mentioned yesterday, 
you know, Theo always has some great lines and his line is, you didn't bring me along for my charming personality. <laughs> yep. Which is, which, which is a great Hans, line. At which point Hans gives a, a, a wonderfully wry smile. I really enjoy his reaction to that yes. line. <laughs> Meaning, okay, I, I, at least we're going to have a little fun along the way. You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he didn't just get a typical geek uh, to, to go along with him here. He's someone who also yeah. has a little bit of a, a fun personality and, uh, you know, knows, knows how to, uh, knows how to be part of life of the, life of the party. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, uh, I really like Theo. I really like, I really like Clarence Gilliard, even though I, I only really remember him from three things at all, but okay, uh, this Top Gun. And what's the third one that you remember him from? I watched a lot of Matlock with my grandmother when I was a kid. Uh, okay. so, and, and right. He was the, one of the private investigators on Matlock. Right. Okay. I, I actually remember him from Chips. He was one of the oh, cops. Yeah, he was one of the cops on Chips. Yep. I didn't watch a lot of that with my grandmother when I was a kid. No, I, I actually I, used to watch that. I used to watch that when when it was originally on in the late seventies, early eighties. I remember watching it like on. I think it was on Sunday nights, if I remember correctly. I used to watch it with my siblings, and then once it was in syndication, I, I must have seen all of the episodes. I've I've tried to rewatch some of them, but they just don't transfer very well because it's like really silly that you have these two cops just patrolling. And, you know, the, the storylines are all uh, a little too convenient, you know, by the way that pretty, the, the things say. Pretty classic uh, late 70s uh, drama. Yeah, and it's like, That's oh, you know, we get, uh, you know, sometimes there are car accidents and sometimes they're, 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 they're kids smoking weed. You know, those were the uh, things. Wow. So, yeah, yeah it was fun. Well, the Reefer was serious business. <laughs> the Reefer was serious business in the 70s, so it makes sense. Yeah. But, yeah, I really, I mean... I feel like of everyone in this movie, Clarence Gilliard is having the most fun. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And uh, he no, I think I, I, gets the... I, I'm sorry. I, I think I can sort of, you know, try to argue that, that Ellis is having more fun because Ellis is completely high and doesn't realize what's going on. It's true. Uh, he's kind of a boob, uh, which is very fun. But uh I, I think that Theo might be having more fun just because he's knowingly doing it. Right. Okay. All right. <laughs> he's, That's fair. He's actively enjoying what he's doing, not just sort of like along for the ride and trying to ride it out. He's making choices and enjoying them. Right. Okay. That, 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 that is fair. That is definitely fair. So at this point, you know, McLean starts uh, berating himself a little bit and trying to figure out what's, what's going on here. And he goes, uh, Argyle. Tell me you heard the shots and you're calling the police right now. Now, it doesn't matter how you want to look at it. I mean, uh, you and I discussed in the green room a little bit that, that I vaguely recall reading at some point that there is some cut uh, scene where Argyle, in the script, where Argyle is supposedly close by or something like that. But it doesn't matter. I mean, the way that it's cut, you know, John is 32 floors up or 33 floors up. There's no way that... You know, if we're not even sure if the people who are at the party are going to hear the shots, let alone somebody who's sitting in a limousine, uh, thirty something floors below you in the parking garage in a limo. So it's yeah, the, the the line just doesn't make very much sense. Except no, for I mean, to be able to give us the the you know the shot of Argyle in the limo right afterwards. That 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 seems to me the only payoff of that line. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't make a ton of sense. I mean, you could 
I could try to argue that it's from a place of like desperation on John's part now fully realizing who exactly he's dealing with, but it still doesn't make sense. Right. I think, I think it all really does serve to do is to cut, to allow us to cut to Argyle in a slightly more natural way, uh, right. slightly more organic way. Cause right. the, I mean, the, the cut to Argyle in this minute is pretty great to be fair. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, which we'll get to in a second, but uh, I, and it does need some kind of lead-in, and I guess that's what this line is for. Um, but yeah, as written, it doesn't it doesn't really make sense. No, no, not at all. Whereby because, really, I'm all. So. Yeah, because again, we're waiting for Argyle to, you know, we're waiting for something to happen here, and you know, here we're we're in this very tense situation. We've just seen Takagi get his get his brains blown out and 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 stuff like that, but. You know, now they're giving us a fun shot. A guy who just decided to, you know, uh, he's he's sitting in the limo. I mean, we'll 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 go right there. Okay, he's he's we get a shot of the stereo blaring. You know, he's 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 having a big party there, in the in the limo all by himself with with the bear. You know, the bear, two of them are just sitting the there car phone. talking on the car phone, and he goes, "Of course, I'm, I'm still coming by later, sweetheart. Have I ever lied to you, my boss?" He thinks I'm on my way to Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I love the fact that this is the, the second time that they've shown this to us where, you know, Argyle is, is playing music in, in the limo and there's like flashing disco lights in, in the background. I mean, does, mm-hmm. does he have like a limo that's set up? That is it like a disco limo that, you know, the, the lights flash along with the music? Because it looks like the lights are flashing on the outside, not the inside. I just assume that in the coke fueled '80s version of LA, um, every limo was like that. That's the only thing I could come up with. Because it looks like yeah, all the lights are flashing <laughs> along with the along with the the synth. Is it synth pop music? I don't know. It's very '80s, uh, and it it seems like it would fit in with any again coke fueled uh, '80s romp for that to be the car, and. Right. Again, I just maybe maybe they're all like that. Maybe it's just a feature, you know. The, the eighty nine nineteen eighty five limo models all came with that as an option. Could be, could be. Especially, I mean, and you know, Argyle. This is his first time driving in a limo, so therefore he's quite quickly become proficient in in the various things that you can do in a limo. <laughs> true, true. Although we don't know if he's, you know. It's his first time driving. Maybe he's ridden in them before. Right. Maybe. That's true. Probably not, as on, on a cabbie's salary, but uh, right. maybe. That's true. And then the, the shot changes, and we get back to a, another uh, tense moment where we get to see, you know, the 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 three various uh, villains. You know, you get Uli, Marco, and uh, Heinrich, who are all setting up the 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 various uh, plastic explosives and you see the, the the way that they're they're working together they they actually they're they're a pretty good team you know yeah. to have them uh work together here you know we're, we're we're on the machine floor which is where you know Hans told told Carl to go try and find Heinrich so mm-hmm. uh you know the what what what's great is if you know what's gonna what's happens in the movie so seeing this scene says so much about it 
you know, when, when you're first watching this, you, you aren't 100% sure what's going on because you see them wiring the, you know, wiring something, you know, are they wiring, you know, uh, are they wiring to, to, to use that as a threat or something? Or are they, you know, I mean, we know that they're wiring it because they want to actually blow it and they want to blow the foundation yeah. of, of the, the, the roof, you know, that type of thing. There is, um, there is one shot. Well, maybe it's in tomorrow's minute, but there is one shot where one of them is very clearly planting C4. Yeah, that's tomorrow. It's tomorrow. So, uh, so we, like, we, I guess, yeah, I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, so yeah, we don't, we, we know they're setting up, but we don't, at this point, we don't know what they're right. setting up for. Exactly. Um, but I think we can infer from, you know, yesterday's minute that the team is willing to follow through on whatever threats they make. Yeah. Well, so especially since they're mostly of... they're probably mostly paid mercenaries. You know, I'm assuming that that they're not going to split the the loot thirteen ways. Yeah, maybe not. I get the feeling that um, I mean Hans and Carl and Heinrich, uh, and uh, there's another one. All Theo. sort of know each other. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's another Carl's brother though. The Tony. With the glasses. Tony. Tony. Um, yeah. uh, they all seem to know each other, but. Maybe not the rest of them. Right. Right. You know, you never really know. Yeah. And so basically, you know, that my, my biggest question is, is just uh, a minute ago, or actually on this minute also, you know, Hans is sending uh, Carl to Heinrich. And why does he even need to do that? Why doesn't he just communicate to him with the CB like they're about to do in a few seconds? I mean, you know, because, maybe to help. Maybe to help. I mean, but, maybe uh, wiring wiring a, a roof to blow it might be a, a big job. Maybe they just need more hands make more hands make light work, right? So then they maybe they should have sent four people in the first place. I don't know. Yeah. You know, when they're splitting people up and stuff like that. I mean, I mean, we get a little bit of dialogue from the the villains here. So we we hear Heinrich says, "Uli, get up on the pipes. Marco, you go through here. I'll throw you the cord." Yeah. And then then he takes the CB and says, "Hans, we're on the roof." So it, it's pretty good timing, you know, because if it was just a minute earlier, Hans would have been a little busier. Mm-hmm. You know, you'd think that it, that Hans should should have contacted him and said, "Okay, where are you up to? What are you doing?" Yeah, that would have, that would have made a little bit more sense. <laughs> <laughs> oh, only slightly. Yeah. Um, timing yeah, is everything. Good, good question. I guess they, I mean, it might also just be because they are exceptional thieves. Maybe they're only. You know, have minimal radio contact. Although that would prove that'll prove a problematic theory through the rest of the film when they start talking a lot more. But... Yeah, well, it depends on what channel they're on. There, there must be on a, you know, the, this isn't Doctor Two where they have codes where you can't where you can't get into the phone. But mm-hmm. you know, still, there there must be on some obscure channel expecting that nobody is going to be listening into them. You know, I, I don't know. I don't yeah. know enough about CB channels to, to give that answer. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess in the end it doesn't make a ton of sense, but also maybe, again, maybe they just, maybe also Carl was just like, oh, you know, I want to go make sure these guys are doing their job. Maybe it's a prearranged thing. Uh, meaning that, that, that he doesn't, that he just doesn't trust them. Maybe, yeah. Because Carl seems to be like Hans's right hand man at this point, right? So maybe he's just yeah. the the guy who's going to go and make sure the job is being done. 
Right, but he's being sent. That's the thing also. You know, Hans is sending Carl to go do it. It's not that Carl's volunteering and saying, you know what, I want to go check on Heinrich because I don't really trust what they're doing up there. This is no, Hans no, saying, okay, Tony, you go do this. Hans, you do this. Tony, you do this. Carl, you do this. Theo, you know, you do this. That's everything. Yeah, I guess what I'm saying is that, like, if if Carl is Hans's right-hand man, then it would make sense to send him to check on them doing the thing. Right. If he doesn't necessarily trust the rest of them, right? Right. Okay. All right. Uh, There's something to that. Yeah. Um, and we all know that we'll find out later that Carl is the kind of the the mean one and the the most likely to pull the trigger if things are going wrong. So yeah. it makes sense to send someone who's a a bit of a threat to make sure the other mercenaries are doing their job. Uh, yeah, sure. that definitely makes sense. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Do you have anything else you want to say about this uh, minute before we get to the script? I, I think that Bruce Willis does a really good job in this minute. And he's like one little moment of dialogue in the, when he says that line that doesn't really make sense. I think uh, when, when Carl leaves the door, the, the sense of relief you get from him, both in dialogue and body language, I thought it's a really nice little moment. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we, I think these days, although we now have reason to understand the reason why he churned out so many direct to video movies, we sort of forget that he is actually a great actor. Yeah. And, uh, it's one of those moments that kind of proves that for me. Yeah. I, I, I definitely agree with you on that. And you, you can see it also in his, in his work with, uh, you know, Tarantino and stuff like that. There are directors who are definitely able to get some, some great acting out of him. Mm-hmm. You know, and he's not just an action hero. You know, he is able to yeah. do the dramatic roles. So, yeah. So the the script has, has a few other minor discrepancies. First of all, Theo's line where he says, you didn't bring me along for my charming personality doesn't end there because he says in the script, you didn't bring me along for my charming personality, although you could have. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I seem to recall that on there's a, a special edition or like a TV edition that includes more dialogue around that moment, and I think that's actually in in that version of it. It could be. I, I don't. I don't recall. Uh, you know, I don't recall that, but that's possible. And then uh, Argyle's dialogue is a little different, also. He says, "I'm working, honey. Working hard. Of course, I'll be by later to pick you up. Have I ever lies to you? My boss, he thinks I'm cruising to Palm Springs." So, you know, I, I, I like, I think Vegas makes more sense than, than Palm Springs, but uh, regardless, I, uh, it, uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad they changed that. That's what yeah. it comes down to. It's kind of close enough, but yeah, I yeah. think it makes more sense, say in Vegas from LA for sure. Yeah. And then they, the, the description of what the uh, three villains are doing upstairs says uh, Heinrich presses something into a niche here. Scrambles like a monkey to a new position. Helped by one of his men, he jumps down, moves to another area, climbs up again, removing something from his shoulder bag. So, the, you know, in the script, they make it sound a lot more um, uh, mischievous than, it, than than we get to see it. Mm-hmm. You know, by the way that they're, they're you know, he's jumping, he's, he's jumping up and down and, and, you know, placing things. And we're not really sure what he's doing and stuff like that. In the movie, it's it's shown to us what it is they're doing. But here it's mm-hmm. it's done in a more secretive manner, I guess you can say. But I, I think it works yeah. better this way, that the way that they show it. 
Yeah, I would say that it does works better in the way it's done in the movie too. Like, you definitely need to see what they're setting up for later moments in the film to pay off correctly. Yes. Um, the more you check off, off check off that kind D4. of thing. Indeed, indeed. <laughs> check out his detonator cord. Uh, the more you obfuscate that kind of stuff, the, the sort of less, uh, for lack of a better word, less authentic the, the payoff will feel, right? So I yeah. think it's important that they show it. Right. That's true. So every Wednesday we have a segment called Hans Hump Day, where my guests will give their top five Alan Rickman performances. So what have you got for us? Uh, so I'm going to start with, um, and it's amazing how many of these are from the 90s, actually. Um, <laughs> but I'm going to start with uh, 1999's uh, Dogma, which is a Kevin Smith movie in which uh, Rickman plays Metatron, the highest chorus of angels. Uh, and he plays him really, uh, what's the right word here? Sardonically? I guess would be the word for it. Very sort of annoyed at the, the, the children that are the humans around him. Yes. Uh, and I've I've always enjoyed that performance. Um, okay, that's good. For number four, um, I know that you're ranking these, uh, so I was originally going to say just as Severus Snape in all of Harry Potter, but if we need to choose one, I'm going to say. The Half Blood Prince, the one uh, which is Harry Potter six, yes, um, and the one where we find out that he was indeed the Half Blood Prince when we find out a bunch more about his history. Yeah, yeah, that's a great one. Yeah, that's, that's um, one of my favorite. It's one of my favorite Harry Potter uh, storylines. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's, it's it's a continuing storyline, but you know, six six is among my I, my my favorites are. Um, Four and six. Yeah, so the half are... prince and four is uh, Goblet of Fire. Goblet of Fire. Yeah, yeah. I love I love the contest. I mean, I, I I love the books more, but you know because they they couldn't get everything in the movies that they that we all wish wish they would have. Yeah, I mean, my one complaint about six, uh, five and six really is that they feel all really cut down from the what all the the amount of material in the book. Yeah. But uh, I felt that. Uh, he's he was one of the strongest uh, bits of casting in that yes, universe for sure. Uh, for number three, I'm going to say uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, which came out in the early zeros, late tens, early tens, I think, um, in which he plays Marvin the Paranoid Android, who is a clinically depressed robot. Uh, and everything he says is hilarious. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to spoil any of it for you. I know that that movie wasn't as well received as maybe it could have been, but I've always actually really liked it. I know that lots of diehard Hitchhikers fans don't don't really. See, I'm not a Hitchhiker it. fan either of the book or the movie, so you know. Yeah. Yeah. You you you're not preaching to the choir. <laughs> yeah, I know lots of people who really like Hitchhikers the book uh, or like the 70s TV show it was 80s TV show um, didn't really like this movie but I've always really enjoyed it uh, and I, I really liked him as Marvin okay that's uh, definitely fair alright uh, we're here so number two 
Number two uh, is 1999 again in Galaxy Quest. I, I knew that was coming when you said 1999. Yep. Yep. Um, I love – I'm a huge Star Trek nerd. I think that Galaxy Quest is actually one of the better Star Trek movies out there. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I, I just love that he's the, like um, – you know, Shakespearean thespian who's reduced to playing the the bumpy headed alien and sort of resigned to his post. He probably has the most compelling story arc, uh, character arc in in the entire movie. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and he plays it really, really wonderfully. Mm-hmm. And then I will give you one guess to what my number one is and. Because uh, I'm sure you've figured it out at this point. Sense and sensibility. Oh, oh wow! <laughs> True story. That would be my number six. There you uh, go. There you uh, go. <laughs> but no, of course it's Robin Hood, Prince um, of Thieves. Like, of course. Wait, are you being serious? Oh yeah, I love Robin. Wait, Hood. what about Die Hard? Well, oh sorry, I I, I eliminated Die Hard from this list. You can eliminate Die Hard from it. Let's oh, sh- well then, it's still Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves though. Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, you think is better than Die Hard? No, but I think that Alan Rickman is more fun in it. Okay. Which that means I like, should bump I should bump Dogma off the list or not? You should bump Dogma off the list and put Die Hard at number two. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why I didn't think. I just I just assumed we wouldn't be including it, but uh, I don't like I say I don't think that. Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, is a better film, but I think it is a more fun Alan Rickman film. Yeah, okay. We're, we're talking about Alan Rickman performances, so we're not talking about the movie, so that's why. That, yeah. makes, that makes a lot of sense. All right, great. And in that movie, he, he clearly understands what kind of movie he's in in a way that nobody else does, which yes. is pretty great. <laughs> that is very true. That is very true. <laughs> All right. Do you want to once yeah. again tell people how they can get in touch with you? Yeah, uh, I, like I said before, the best way to get get a get to me is through my website, which is awesomefriday.ca. Uh, you can find us on the socials as well uh, at awesomefridayca on Twitter and on Instagram, and just awesomefriday on Facebook. Uh, I've been failing to mention you can find me on Twitter uh, at smatthewaf as well. Okay. Uh, and our main output on the website right now is the podcast. Uh, the Awesome Friday podcast comes out every Sunday. You can find that wherever you can listen to podcasts. All right. Excellent. And finding me is very simple. Just do a quick search for Movie Rob Minute. You can find me on Twitter. You can find me on Facebook. Or you can go to my website, MovieRobMinute.com. So, Matthew, feel like coming back again tomorrow? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. All right. Excellent. So, until tomorrow, yippee ki yay Yippee-ki-yay.